Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Wow. Men, you got to help me here, guys. Happy Mother's Day. There we go. There we go. If we have never met before, uh, my name is Walt Troop. Uh, myself, along with my beautiful wife, Karen, we are missionaries in Nigeria at a place of hope. And uh, that is a place that you guys, obviously, most of you know about. And uh, we're missionaries there. and We're actually just back for a few weeks uh, for the next three or four weeks, uh, seeing grandkids. And, and I'm graduating and walking the stage next week. And so we're just, uh, thank you, we're, we're just... We're just happy to be back, and I got a text um, from your pastor about four weeks ago while we were still in Nigeria, and he said, are you going to be in town on the 9th? And I said, yes, we'll be there. And he goes, well, do you mind preaching? I'm going to be out of town. I would like for you to preach. And I said, sure, I'd love to. So then as I finished messaging and told him I, everything's cool, I can do that, I started looking at the calendar, and I realized it's Mother's Day. And uh, I've never preached on Mother's Day in America. Uh, I've always, you know, been an associate pastor or an executive pastor, and, the, you know, the lead pastor, the senior pastor preaches on Mother's Day. And I, so I never got a chance to do that here in America. So I messaged him back. I said, do you realize that that's Mother's Day? And this was his answer to me. I'll, I, I even wrote it down here. He said, Yes, I figure the husband of a woman who's a mother to over 100 kids is more equipped to preach that day than me. And I hope that's true. And, and I, and, but I do appreciate the time that we get to spend together. And it's an honor for me to be back at our home church and be able to preach and open the word of God with you this morning. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And we are glad to be here today. I love Mother's Day. I, I remember growing up on Sunday mornings, there was always kind of a ritual around our house because we would always get up and get ready to, to go to church on Sunday mornings. My dad usually got up early and would finish off his notes for the Sunday school class that he was teaching. Uh, there was always gospel music playing from our my parents' bedroom on Sunday mornings, and us kids would get up and start getting ready, and we would have Davy and Goliath on TV at and some of you may remember that, or Jot, we would be watching that. Uh, but then there was one special Sunday of the year that was different than any other Sunday morning. And we would all get ready, and my mom would go to the refrigerator, and she would open it up, and there it is, like glowing as she opened the refrigerator, the corsage, the flower that my dad had bought her to wear on Mother's Day. And there it was encased in this beautiful see-through plastic covering, and she would put it on, and we would all head out the door and go to Mother's Day, to Mother's Day at, at church. And it was always a special day, and I, I enjoyed Mother's Day growing up, and, and I still do today. And, and I remember growing up, and those were some of the memories that I had on Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is celebrated all over the world. In fact, it's been celebrated for years. Going back to the Romans, even into Great Britain. In Great Britain, they would call it Mothering Day. And being in Nigeria, which was a British colonization before they became their own nation, they have Mothering Sunday in Nigeria. But here in America, 
Woodrow Wilson, uh, back in 1914, made it a national holiday. It's the second Sunday of May. We celebrate moms and dads. And if there are any kids in here, we know that it's more than just one day that we celebrate moms. But today is what we do know is, is Mother's Day going back in history. And, and we know that Mother's Day is, is truly a time to celebrate. But on this day, we also know that there is um, a difficulty for some people because of circumstances beyond their control in their lives. Things have happened in their lives. And today is, it can be a very, very tough day, Mother's Day. And so for if you're watching this morning in a, in, a, in a group this size or watching online, if this is a tough day for you, I just encourage you to cling to Jesus today. Cling to the, the only one who, who gives true compassion, true love, true grace, and ultimately eternal life. And as Pastor Doug says, and I know I'm going to get the quote wrong, I'll mess it up, but I hear him say it a lot. You know, he says this, he says that... Um, and now I've totally lost it out of my mind. I've got it here on my notes somewhere underlined. Um, here it is. I just saw it here. Only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. And I know that's not the perfect quote, but it's true. This world will fail us. We don't understand things that happen, but only Jesus can satisfy the longings that we have as human beings. And that's what I would encourage you today. If today is a tough day, and I completely understand, I would pray, I would hope that you would cling to Jesus today. As I was growing up and, and, and on Mother's Day, we would always go somehow to Proverbs 31. And we always hear about the Proverbs 31 woman. But before we get to that scripture, what I want to do is what we also get a chance to do every Sunday morning at Cornerstone Church in Opie and Suka, where I preach and most of all of our kids attend church. We do what you guys do here every Sunday morning. We just do it a little differently. We actually stand up. We stand, we not only hold our Bibles up, we stand up. And I don't know if, do you have the, I didn't even ask if you had the stuff on the screen here this morning. You don't, do you? Well, you know it, don't you? Come on, stand up now. Go ahead and stand up. Raise your Bibles, whatever form that you have them in, whether you have them in book form or tablet form or phone form, whatever. And I'll get us going, and you and then you you continue. Ready? One, two, three. The Bible is the. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. It's fun to do that. And now I've done that on two continents. So Proverbs 31, we would always, grow, growing up, I would hear Proverbs 31. And that's not our main text this morning. But I did want to go over it because it's such a beautiful passage. Uh, it gives the, the picture of a God-fearing woman. And it's Proverbs 31. It starts in verses 10 and goes through 31. And this morning, I just want to read the paraphrased version uh, from the message. And, and, and I'll just read along. And we may have it on the screen here, but I'll go ahead and go with it here, starting in verse number 10. A good woman is hard to find and worth more than diamonds. 
Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family, organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then with the money she's put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work. It's no hurry, in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist everyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing, dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well-made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household, keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead, and beauty soon fades. The woman is to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. Adorn her life with praises. I read that and I think, is that Wonder Woman? I mean, the only thing missing is the lasso of truth and the invisible airplane. But moms, really, you are Wonder Woman. You uh, have made such an impact on our lives on all of our lives, everyone that you come in contact with this morning. And that's what we want to do. That last part says, we want to give you everything you deserve and adorn your life with praises. And all the men and the children this morning said, amen. Now, this morning in a crowd this size, uh, there are different moms in different stages of their lives. There's moms-to-be whether they are expecting or the idea of soon want to have children. And you can tell those moms because those are the moms with big, bright smiles on their faces. And then there are the moms that are. They are raising children. There's a smile, but there's a little bit of a lack of sleep you can tell in their eyes. There are moms that uh, are in the latter stages of raising their children, and that smile becomes starts to come back a little bit. And then there's the grandmoms, the grandmothers, who the smile is there because they've just had the kids, the grandkids for two hours, and they're going back to mom. So there's moms in every stage we have here this morning. But whatever stage you are this morning, mom, uh, if I could think of one word that shows the impact that you have on children or on people, 
And that is the word influence. That word influence is the everlasting impact that you will and can make on a child. Now, this could be said with anybody, dads as well, but there's just something about a mother's impact on a child that that child, even I know, that I can look back on the impact that my mom made on me. We think of verses like Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And there's another translation of that that uses these words, direct your children onto the right path. And when they're older, they will not leave it. So whether it's training or directing, there's a, it points to the thought of there's an intention, a purpose for the way that you moms raise the children. There are many in the places in the Bible that we can go where it talks about parenting and mothering. But this morning, I kind of wanted just to hone in on one verse this morning. I wanted to hone in on two women who made an impact on a boy, and that boy grew up to be a man, and that man would help take the gospel to the nations. He would have an impact on the gospel starting in the very first century. And the reality is men like this man and the apostles that we read about through the scriptures are the reason that we even have the gospel today, that we know about the life-changing gospel message of Jesus Christ. So if you will open your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. My message this morning, or as we would say in uh, in Nigeria, my topic this morning is a mother's mark, a mother's mark. And we're going to see a mark that two women made on a young boy in Second Timothy. And as you're turning there, Second Timothy is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy. And he wrote this uh, because, and he knew Timothy because of time that Paul spent on a missionary trip to Lystra. And it was while he was in Lystra that, that he came into contact with a young Timothy and even the mother and the grandmother. And two things happened when Paul was in Lystra and possibly two things that, that, Paul, that uh, Timothy would see. First of all, Timothy believed in the gospel that Paul preached. The the preaching of the resurrected Christ, Timothy witnessed that preaching, and it was through that time that, that he came to Christ. He came to understand the gospel and know what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The second thing that happened was he witnessed the persecution that Paul experienced while he preached that gospel. But it seems that Paul wasn't the only influencer on Timothy's life, and even the words of Paul show us this. And tell us this. Let's look at what it says here in Second Timothy. I'm just going to do one verse. Second Timothy chapter one, verse five. Second Timothy chapter one, verse five. I'll read it here. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. 
When I first began to prepare this message, knowing that it was Mother's Day and I was going to be moving in that direction, I I I, I prayed and, and and I just felt that God wanted me to talk about this story. And as I began to look into the story of Timothy and his mother Eunice, I realized actually that the impact not only came from Eunice but came from his grandmother Lois. And so this morning I want to focus on three marks of a mother's influence, three marks of a mother that I, that I see here in this one verse. And the first mark that I see is the foundational mark, the foundational mark. In the letter Timothy that, uh, to Timothy that Paul wrote, he, Paul wrote this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Now, we don't know for sure, but it is thought by people much smarter than me that that actually Paul not only came to Lystra, but even stayed in the home, in Timothy's home, the time that he was there. And, and we cannot quickly move past the words that Paul says about the influence that the mothers and the grandmother had on young Timothy. He looks at Timothy and he sees this influence. He sees the mark that has been left on this young boy, the faith in the gospel, the faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ that was a a part of not only his grandmother's life, but a part of his mother's life. And it made a foundational mark on the life of Timothy as he grew up. And it says here that it, that, that faith was a part of his life. It was a part of the way that he lived. And some people would say, well, of course, he he lived in a home, and it just kind of flowed down from generation to generation, and he caught it, and he just kind of went with it, and that's just the way it happens. That's the way it happens. And and I know that a lot of things happen like that uh, in a home. You know, we're in the circumstances that we're in, there are certain ways that are filtered into our own lives from our parents' lives. I get that. But it was more than that. I'm reminded of a story I heard one time about four generations of people, of a family, four generations of a family who had gathered for Christmas dinner. And they all gathered, four generations, and they were spending the day together and cooking together and getting ready for the big meal at the end of the day on Christmas Day. And these four generations were there, and, and the, the mother, the third generation, the, the, the youngest mother was there in the kitchen, and her daughter had joined her. Her daughter had joined her as she was preparing the, the ham for the meal. And as she's preparing the ham, the, the third generation, the, the, the youngest mother cut the end of the ham off, you know, a good two or three inches, cut that off of it. Before she put the ham in the oven. It was good ham. It was a good part of the ham. It should have been used. Probably could have fed two or three people. But she cut it off. And then she put the ham in the oven. And the youngest girl said, Mommy, why why did you cut the ham off? Why did you cut the end of the ham off? And the mother said, I don't know. That's what my mother used to do. So the little girl ran to the back of the house where her grandmother was, was... And said, Grandmother, Grandma, why do you cut the end of the ham, cut the end off of the ham? She said, I don't know. That's what my mother used to do. 
So then the little girl ran to the front of the house, and the great-grandmother was sitting on the couch, and she said, Great-grandmother, why did you cut the end of the ham off before you put it in the oven? She said, Back in that day, my oven was so small. Things do flow down, but I don't believe that's what Paul is talking about here, the faith that he had, that Timothy had. It wasn't something that was just passed down and he took up and ran with it. It was just part of a family line. Give you another example. My my dad graduated uh, from the University of Texas in 1962. Hook them horns. I hear you back there. I knew I'd get something from right back there if I did that. He graduated in 1962 from pharmacy school. I have never attended University of Texas. Never. Never enrolled. The only time I've ever been to the campus, about four or five years ago, we went there uh, with me and my mom and my brothers, and we took a photo in front of the pharmacy sign and I went to see where they used to live, but I have never attended University of Texas. I am a Texas Longhorn fan. I bleed burnt orange. Never attended, never did anything like that. In fact, like I said, I will walk on the other coast, on the East Coast this, this week at a completely different university, but I am a Texas Longhorn fan. I am a fan. He was an alumni. I am just a fan. Timothy wasn't a fan of faith. He exercised his faith. It was introduced to him, but he made it personal. And he made it personal because of what was introduced to him by his mother and his grandmother. The first mark that a mother can leave on their child is a foundational mark, a foundation with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Moms, one of the most important things you can do is point your kids to Christ. I'm not saying it's one of the most. It is the most important thing you can do is to point your children to Christ. There are many influences you can have, but the first one is the foundational influence. For Timothy, it wasn't just about being a fan or accepting something that came down the family line. And I know this because of a word that Paul used right before the word faith. He said, I know your sincere faith. And that word sincere isn't just thrown in there to flower up the word faith. It actually means without hypocrisy or it means genuine. The faith that Timothy had that was pat, that was given, that was influenced by the mother and the grandmother was a sincere faith and it changed his life and it changes our lives too because of his influence of taking the gospel to the nations in that first century. The second mark is the maturing mark. This is one thing I know, and every mother or grandmother can tell you in this room, is that kids grow up, and they grow up, and they grow up, and they change, and they change physically, mentally, and spiritually. And the things that we're able to bring to them while they're growing up, the sincere faith we're able to show and exhibit will help them as they mature. And as you move a couple of chapters over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 6, I'm sorry, verses 14 and 15, we'll see the, the maturing mark that Lois 
and Eunice left on this young boy, Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, firmly believed, sincere faith. Right there, it goes hand in hand. Knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Young Timothy took that faith, and it was sincere. It was genuine to him, and he growed, and he matured in that faith. Did Paul have an influence? Absolutely. I mean, if you were around Paul in that day, you would have been influenced by Paul. You would have seen that he was building churches. He was planting churches. He was raising leaders. People were coming to Jesus Christ because of the gospel that he was preaching. Paul had an influence on young Timothy, but so did Lois and so did Eunice, the mother and the grandmother. They had that impact on him. Look what it says here, knowing from whom you learned it. And then it said, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. He urges Timothy to continue in his sincere faith and points to those marks, those maturing marks that Lois and, and, and Eunice had put on his life. And he uses these words, acquainted with the sacred writings. Moms, mothers-to-be, grandmothers. Let me just say this, that I mentioned it a small bit just a minute ago. Our kids can receive so many influences from us, so many good influences. How to treat people, uh, how to be social, how to be kind. Just all these great influences that we can pass on to our children. But let me just tell you this, that one of the greatest influences that you can give your children is this. We all stood up here a minute ago and said, the Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. This is a life changer. This is a life changer. Don't, I would encourage you not to allow just waiting for your children to pick it up on their own. Yes, the Holy Spirit will do a work in them and will bring them to that. But we have an, moms, you have a, an opportunity to show them faith. And they will capture that and make it sincere faith. And as they mature, they will know the importance of the God's word, his letter to us, his instruction to us. And, and, and as we look at the life of Timothy, we know that, that they made it an important part, letting him understand the sacred writings, which at that point was the Old Testament. But we today have the full word, the full canon, the full word of God to be able to, to give our children This is the greatest thing that you can do as a parent is to introduce your children to the scriptures and encourage them to seek him through the scripture. Paul points out the foundational mark. He points out a maturing mark. But if I could just add one mark to end with, I don't know. I I, I hate to say it this way, but I'll say it anyway. I call it the love mark. And, And it's obvious that moms have an in within them to to love their children and to guide them and to lead them. You know, over the last 
few weeks, if you've been attending or you've been watching online, you've been seeing Pastor Doug go through, love is, and then there's this blank. Love is. And I, I sat over here last week, the first time back in America, sitting in watching the, the message series, and, and I saw him uh, go into love is selfless. And he was going on the verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4, 4 and 5. And, and this is what it said. It said, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love is selfless. And then he said something that resonated with me yesterday uh, or last Sunday morning. And then I went back and even watched it on the video this week. This is what he said. And I'll quote him on this. God has placed people in your life that are slowly giving you the opportunity to die to self every day. Let me read it again. God has placed people in your life that are slowly giving you the opportunity to die to self every day. Moms, that is a tremendous and honoring thought. Because the reality is, is that moms more than anybody die to themselves to give their children what they need to succeed. Give their children what they need to grow. Give their children what they need to advance in life, to be a person in this society and even before God that is worthy, that is, that is good. I have experienced the love of a mother myself. I'm, my mom is here today, and I'm so happy. I, I've seen how she can raise and all these things that we've talked about, maturity and foundational and faith and growing up in a, in a loving home. I've seen that in my own mom. And I've experienced that. And unbelievable. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm also, I'm also happy that I get to have a front row seat to see how my wife, a mom, is such a loving mom and has been for many, many years. 26 years we have been married and uh, she has four kids of her own, four kids that are on grown. We live 7,000 miles away, but somehow, some way, she encourages, she prays, she does everything that she can for them. That's the love mark of a mother. And then now, over the last seven years, we've gone from four kids to 98 kids. And to see how she loves and cares every single day for them. About four years ago, she told me, she said, this is my goal. My goal is to touch these children every day. Individually, touch them. And I'm thinking, how does that even happen? And then I see how it happens. She, uh, you know, the younger ones will, will, will be up at our house. We live about a quarter of a mile down the dirt road than the orphanage home. So at 5 o'clock every day when they're all home from school, we'll go down and pull up a chair or walk around and 
see all the kids before we have devotion or dinner or whatever we have that night. And just to see her walk in that gate, the younger ones are easy. The younger, the little ones just run. They run and grab you and grab her, and it's easy to to touch and make a difference with them. The older ones, they can be a little tough. But what I see her do is, as the older ones are coming in the gate from school and they're walking on the paved stone and we're probably about 50 feet away from them, she'll call out across the yard. Hey, Blessing, how was school today? Emma, how you day? And it's just that love mark. It's that touch. And that's what being a mother is all about. I don't know much about motherhood. I will be the first to tell you. But I have seen, and I have a front row seat to see the greatness and the difference that a mother can make in the life of a child. The mark of love is an influence of time, connection, and physical touch. Time, connection, and physical touch. Moms, you have a great opportunity to leave a mark on the life of your children. Grandmothers, the same thing. I don't want to exclude anybody this morning. But you have a tremendous opportunity to make an impact through the influence uh, that you have. The foundation mark, the maturing mark, the mark of love. And when you do that, when you do that, that will open up that will open up the possibility and the chance for the Holy Spirit to make an impact on the life of that child as well. Open up their heart to faith. Open up their heart to sincere faith. And when that happens, that will have an opportunity for them to make a decision for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Moms, we love you. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for every sacrifice that you make. And this morning, as I close, I just want to pray for you. And I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on, as my dad used to say. Just keep on keeping on. Even in the struggle, even in the hard times, you are making a difference. You are making an impact. And the impact that you are making and could make could be the reason that that child has sincere faith as they begin to live their lives. Would you bow your heads this morning?